Today's episode of Grad School Confessional is brought to you by Murphy's Law. When it comes to research design, data collection, equipment, and data analysis, there is no one researchers trust more than Mr. Murphy. Because when it comes to research, the only thing you can truly rely on is that something will go wrong. You're listening to Grad School Confessional, a new podcast that explores the good, bad, and ugly of graduate school, directly from graduate students themselves. I'm your host, Dr. Yoasue. From awkward supervisor interactions, to reviewer two horror stories, to convincing your parents why grad school was a good idea, we read out the confessions of graduate students from all over and chat about the realities of pursuing higher education. Just a reminder that this is the last week for our giveaway. Help support the podcast and enter yourself into a draw for a $100 Amazon gift card. Details are in the episode description. I'd like to welcome back my co-host, my wife Anna. Anna is a PhD candidate studying digital health, a field where researchers ask, can a computer catch COVID-19? Only if it's vaccinated by McAfee. You mean only if it isn't vaccinated by McAfee, right? No, no, I stand by what I say. McAfee's garbage. Oh, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. What's the new name for that vaccine that Canada just released? Uh, Spikevax? Spikevax! <laughs> Spikevax definitely sounds like a computer antivirus software. Spikevax sounds like an STD that you would get if you didn't get vaccinated. Like, oh man, I got Spikevax. I got the spike, man. Mm. I got the spike. <laughs> Anywho. Um, well, on the topic of things that aren't going the way they're supposed to, Today's episode is full of confessions about projects that did not go the way these grad students had initially thought. Is there such a thing that a study goes the way you planned it? I think it's a myth. I think it's a myth. I don't, I can't honestly say I've ever had a study go perfectly smoothly. Like, no hiccups in recruitment, no hiccups in data collection or data analysis. I just feel like conducting research in general is like whack-a-mole. Except instead of moles, it's participants not showing up. And instead of whacking them with a hammer, you just whack your head against the wall. <laughs> it's just yeah. a big carnival in general. I've never seen a study go according to plan in the wild. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you read all these studies about these research projects and they're like, yeah, we did this and we did this. And they have like dropout here and there. And you're like, oh, it looks like the project went fairly smoothly. And I just want like a candid research report right at the end being like, Oh my god, this was so hard. <laughs> Yo, strap yourself in. I want a camera, you know, like for doggy daycare, there's like a camera and you can watch them on your computer. <laughs> I want a camera in a lab where you can see the doctoral students trying to run a project and get email after email about participants dropping out, or better yet, just like never showing up. And you just watch them like rip out their hair and completely lose it. Yeah, like the cry cam, you know, just like... <laughs> Oh, man. Please make it stop. <laughs> yeah, I think the universal truth to doing research is just something will go differently than you anticipate. Guaranteed. It never goes the way you think Never it happens. Yeah. And I think today's stories all exemplify that perfectly. Our first story is from a former grad who recounts the seemingly simple study that was riddled with challenges and continues to be incomplete to this day. They write, As a new thesis-based master's student, I was lost at the beginning. I was trying to figure out my research topic when my supervisor asked me if I wanted to help out with our collaborative project with another lab. I jumped on this opportunity and was excited to partake in my first project. 
I started off with being late to our first meeting because I got lost. This start to our project should have given me the heads up for what was about to come next. The challenges started off with the equipment that was used, which hadn't been used for years, so setting that up took months. From changing the location of collecting our data to changing the equipment itself, my initial excitement for the study gradually shifted towards frustration. When we finally started to recruit participants to collect data, we were told by one of our supervisors that we weren't collecting the data properly. Long story short, we had to discard the data that we had collected. It was during the last term of my master's program when we finally thought we figured everything out to give this study another shot. By this time, I had completed five other projects, but for some reason, this study was still lingering around. After collecting our data again, we began analyzing it, which in itself is an extremely tedious process. While analyzing the data, we found that the data was not collected properly, which in turn led to us discarding the data for half of our participants. Three years later, we have a study that is still not completed, and we hope that one day, our prayers will be answered and the curse on this study disappears. There are very few feelings that truly drop your heart when doing research than like analyzing your data and realizing you collected it wrong. It's just, oh man. I think the only feeling that trumps that is when you're doing interviews and you realize you didn't press the record <gasps> button. Oh my god! We almost had that happen. Oh my gosh. Actually, yeah, I remember that study because... <laughs> no, because... <laughs> I, I was the one in charge of recording and I recorded everything, but for whatever reason, there was no sound. So we had this beautiful <laughs> video data from the focus oh, group yeah. and we had no sound. Oh no, that was, yeah, that was scary. Which I guess leads us to our like first point or tip here is if you're going to be recording something or collecting data, do a quick check after the first one, you know, and make sure that you're doing it right. And if you're recording stuff, have a backup have a backup for the backup yeah seriously it's, it was super helpful for that one because i remember that and just having like this thought of oh my god we have to ask these people to help out again it's they awful. have to come back <laughs> do we have to pay them twice we would have to mm, oh, probably probably fair at least someone should be fairly compensated <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but equipment related roadblocks are definitely my least favorite thing like you can always learn a stats analysis right like, I can always I just... mean, I can't, but sure. <laughs> okay, the theory, the potential to learn a stats analysis is kind of there. Sure. But with equipment, if it's just, like, faulty or if it's just not very good at collecting stuff, it's it can be hard to, like, feel good about what you're doing. Okay, bear with me here. This is this okay. just came to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An example of a study going wrong. This was a cardiac rehabilitation study that we had um, that I volunteered for. So basically, the premise was we wanted to see if people could exercise um, at a higher rate and for a longer period of time if they were listening to music. Okay. And that was great, right? And so we were wondering also, like, what kind of music provided, like, the best results. And so we had three groups. We had yeah. a control group that listened to static. Yeah. We had a group that requested whatever yeah. music they wanted to listen to, and they got that music. And then we had a group that got just... Random music. Yeah. Um, this was all fine and dandy. And the exercises would walk around a track yeah. while listening to music. And as volunteers, we had to record, like, how long it takes them to do a lab, yeah. whatever else. This study was done with seniors. <laughs> we were very, we were very explicit 
uh, with them and, and told them, you can't tell us what you're listening to because this is supposed <laughs> to be blinded. Because as volunteers, we also had to like record our observations of them exercising. Every single person at the end of the exercise session would go up to us and be like, I don't understand. I didn't get any music. All I heard was static. You're like, no. Or like, I love big band music. You're like, no. And we couldn't, we couldn't exclude any of the data because dead on every single person would come up and you're like, you can't tell us that. You should have just had a t-shirt that says, don't tell me what you were listening like, to. Like, just don't talk to me. It was so sweet, but also like so <laughs> so it was like not a blinded study by the end of it because everyone knew and like they would talk to each other too oh, you're like no. <laughs> it was such a mess they had a good time though so whatever yeah but like oh went no. so wrong <laughs> yeah no definitely i feel like blinding studies is always pretty <laughs> difficult like i've had studies before where we were trying to blind people right and <laughs> okay hold on not like with acid or anything. I mean, like we were like the sun, just like a flashlight in their eyes, and then having them exercise. Oh yeah, no, definitely the blinded group did not do well. <laughs> no, but it's hard. It's hard, and I think, I think when you go into research, you're like, yeah, I want to do double blinded studies. That's that's not where both people are blind, by the way. Triple blind. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going on. No, but it's it's hard to. It, you don't realize how hard it is until you actually try and do it, and like. I think my supervisor was at the time was kind of like, you know, maybe we don't go double blind. You know, let's just let's just think about this for a second. Yeah, the man knows. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, what's the longest you've worked on a project for? That's a tough one. From putting ethics in to basically being done. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's still a project I'm working on, but we finished phase one. Phase two is just like not happening because. The PI just doesn't feel like it. Oh, yeah. So I guess it's still going, but even that's like a year. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely I've heard of people working on projects for like the entirety of their degree, which it sounds like this person did, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's kind of unfortunate that some people, that's kind of their only project. Like if it's their, you know, thesis project or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It sounds like this person at least had other things ongoing and so they were still kind of working on stuff. But man, if this was your only project, like how bad of a taste for research would this leave? Yeah, you know? 100%. Like I just feel like a lot of people are just incredibly discouraged from the process and just don't go into it because their project is just so hard. Yeah, but then that's why you have like five or seven projects on the go and then... When something goes wrong, the good thing is different things will go wrong on different projects. So something <laughs> will get pushed over the yeah. finish line. Basically, what I'm saying is um, do not put all of your eggs in one basket. Definitely. Definitely. I feel like not only will you lose out on some of the other opportunities that come your way, but like you're going to be so heartbroken if that study doesn't go the way you want it to, you know? And it won't. It won't. It, it like guarantees it, it won't. never does. <laughs> yeah. This next confession comes from a former PhD who documents the struggle they had with their initial research topic and the many roadblocks they faced while trying to pursue it. They write, My initial PhD topic heralded a potential breakthrough of a 50-year-long hunt for a holy grail in my field. Ambitious, challenging, using bleeding-edge tech, promising, rewarding, and enticing. When my supervisors pitched it to me, 
It landed on my novice, hungry, and untarnished wannabe researcher soul like gas on fire. I was sold. Little did I know I was heading headfirst into a nightmare scenario with legislative and ethical roadblocks at every corner. My journey began on the phone, asking, arguing, persuading, pleading to get my hands on what I needed, materials and approvals, and got me nowhere. Two years into my PhD, with no data, no study, and no progress, I was summoned by the Institutional Ethics Committee, along with my entire committee, joined by invited experts to make our final case for pursuing this research. After an hour, the ethical hammer had fallen. Boy, you better switch topics now or risk never getting your degree, because we won't let this work go ahead. And that was it. Two years spent training as a salesperson? I switched and eventually finished. Okay, now I'm so curious. What do you think they were working on? Okay, here's our clues. So it's a 50 year struggle. They clearly had some ethical issues. He needed materials and used bleeding edge tech. What do you think? I'm gonna go ahead and guess they were building a Gundam. <laughs> that would be awesome. Literally 50 years. It's like the P.I. just watched Neon Genesis Evangelion. I was just like, I want that. I need the Ava. Sir, you're, you're a historian. <laughs> I need it! <laughs> oh, but I don't know. Like, it must have been something like maybe neuroscience related. Like nanobots in the brain that let you see without glasses. <laughs> Do we need those still? We have LASIK. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna go say something genome related. Yeah, actually, that makes a lot of sense. Two years with no data, though. Holy, this project must have been pretty controversial. Um, the part where he says, uh, summoned by the Institutional Ethics Board, I just imagine this, like, they put a hood over you, like a, like a bag over your <laughs> yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just, like, you enter in this dark room, and it's like these candles. And they're and, all wearing robes, and yeah. they're all in a circle, and there's, like... Gentle Gregorian chants, and like... <laughs> Yeah, son, you better change your topic. <laughs> We're not letting you build a Gundam. <laughs> you guys literally sacrificed a goat in front of me. Can't do it. Can't do it. Ethics is no. <laughs> uh, this person does make an interesting point, though, uh, in terms of the whole salesperson thing. We, in research, I feel, have to sell our research so much. Like, I think on the surface, when you talk to the public about it, they're like, oh, yeah, researchers do this the research that's needed or they like discover new things but like not everything is the same and the money still has to come from somewhere i remember reading a very well written proposal um for one of the most competitive grants in our country and the proposal was for the implications of modern taxidermy and i was like i get hmm. it that it's a cool topic but also do we really need to understand more about modern taxi turn? Yeah, I thought that field was already <laughs> stuffed to the brim. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, but like for grants and research in general um, and like SciComm, I feel like every aspect of our research at some point is just selling it, you know, selling it to the granting agency. Like, this is what I want to do. Selling it to like the the journals being like, you should publish this. Selling it to the public, like, hey, check this thing out that we did and getting them to care. Yeah, so much sales. But I think the key point here is just you got to know when to quit, I think. I think there are different circumstances for everybody and different boundaries or lines. But knowing at which point a project is doing more harm than good 
to your degree is important to know. Like I've had some studies that I've had to stop partway through for one reason or another, and I'm glad that I didn't like pursue those projects to the extent that I, you know, should have to finish. It would have been so much time. I guess this is a bad time to tell you. I think I'm going to quit this project. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, Unrelated. Okay. If you're interested in co-hosting, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm here to stay. <laughs> I hope so. Our final confession comes from a grad student who had ambitious ideas for a study, though perhaps to their own detriment. They write, My study was complicated, not because I wanted it to be, but because it encompassed best practices, and I wanted my study to be the best that it could be. The caveat of this, my analysis plan was complicated as well. I knew the kinds of tests that needed to be conducted based on my somewhat limited knowledge of statistics and reading similar studies, but I did not know enough to be 100% sure or know how to test assumptions, perform data cleaning, etc. So I sought help. My supervisor was unable to give me the help that I needed as it was beyond their scope, as was anyone else at my university. So after four months of meeting and consulting with a dozen people locally, I sought help elsewhere in Florida. I have no idea how I found the statistician that I did, but I'm eternally grateful for their support. I'm also extremely thankful for the friend who answered my every call about the data analysis software that I was using. I guess you could say it took a village. Also, stats. I need a shirt that just says, I'm bad at stats, please be gentle, and just wear it at every Zoom call. <laughs> we could make that. Yeah, we could totally make that. We could totally make that. I'm bad at stats. Anova, I barely know you. <laughs> See what I have to live with? <laughs> you know those Florida man headlines, though? Uh, like, Florida man marries gator, turns out to be cousin. <laughs> or Florida man attacked during selfie with squirrel. You never see, like, a Florida man or woman offers guidance to master's student on complex statistical analysis headline. And there needs to be that. <laughs> that should be a shirt, too. It should be a shirt. Call the Florida man. And just, like, stack knowledge <laughs> on the back. Um, Are you interested in multivariate regression? <laughs> nobody's interested in multivariate regression. <sighs> My reviewers are interested in multivariate regression. Why is that the only... Reviewers want one thing. And <laughs> it's, it's disgusting. disgusting. <laughs> it's multivariate regression. Uh, collaboration um, is super key, though. Like, fostering a collaborative scientific network will open up so many more projects and types of research designs that you can like do it's like a like pitbull like you're mr worldwide but like dr worldwide no not funny mm. Mm. too much too much yeah anyway i do advocate for multidisciplinary work though for that reason like the fact that we are in fields that are like sort of adjacent but not exactly the same Let's mm -hmm. me leverage like your qualitative skill set, and then you can leverage my ability to look for quantitative help. <laughs> <laughs> we outsource our stats. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, why learn something entirely yourself when you can instead talk to someone who knows it much better than you, and you know, just is them? willing to do it for free if you just <laughs> look sad enough. That's how I finish my masters. You That's just how look I sad enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I finished my master's. I walked into the actuarial and statistical sciences department, knocked up the graduate student office, was like, <laughs> do y'all know what to do with non-parametric data? And there was like a really sad master's student there. And he's like, I think so. And I was like, cool. 
I think so is good enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's leagues ahead of what I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I think also, too, the story raises, like, best practices research is not always the most practical research. You know? Kind of like... I want to be doing this. We already talked about this, but it's intense, double-blind everything, run these long follow-ups, use an intervention that requires highly trained people or clinicians. Like, dude, how are you going to get these people, you know? Yeah, your participants are like, I don't want to do this incredibly long and rigorous follow-up. What do you follow-up. mean? What do you mean you don't answer my hour-long survey for me? I want my $30 gift card. <laughs> I don't want to peace out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and especially when you're working with other healthcare providers. If you're working with physicians, if you're working with PTs, like they have a full caseload to mm-hmm. begin with. And then on top of that, they're like, okay, I guess I'll help you out and try to participate in your study. Yeah. And just being mindful of like sort of your place and the people who are using or helping you with your research, right? Like their own demands, their mm-hmm. own sort of lows and just kind of being like, what is reasonable here for me to ask of everybody? Um, it certainly takes a village, but you know, sometimes people in the village have jobs outside of just helping you out. They have other things to do. They have families. (laughs) What would be an appropriate, like, thank you gift to like someone who helped you out with stats from Florida? Florida? (laughs) Or just in general. Never bother them again. (laughs) They live in Florida. Like, just get them out of there. (laughs) Here's a Canadian PR. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Come on over. Uh, Uh, in some, the research process is just that. A process. Be patient, know when to ask for help, and know when to stop. You've been listening to Grad School Confessional. I'm Dr. Yoasway. Special thanks again to my co-host Anna. You know, I think this marriage is my favorite project that I've worked on so far. What's your research question? Hmm. How long can someone put up with me before they leave? <laughs> if you enjoyed the show, Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes so that others can benefit from our mediocre advice. Please also share us with your social network and follow us on Twitter at GSConfessional. And if you have a confession you'd like to make, please use the anonymous link in the description or email thegradschoolconfessional at gmail.com. We're waiting for your funny, interesting, or controversial confessions. Until next time, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Principal Investigator, Amen.